this is Dr. Dick Little's tape series on the Holy Spirit and the life of the believer. On this tape, Dr. Little discusses extra-biblical revelation. He explains why present-day prophecy is valid and what safeguards are necessary in its use. They tell me that this is a true story. They say that on one New Year's Eve, there was a pastor who was just getting ready to go into his evening worship service. And a young couple came to him and they wanted to talk to him about getting married. And he was pressed and didn't have time. And he said, well, I'll see you later and we'll talk about it. Well, he rushed into the service and just before he got ready to preach, he said, incidentally, any of you that want to talk to me about getting married, meet me at the front of uh, the church after the service, the ones that want to talk to me. You can imagine his surprise when he got down there at the end of the service and not only was the couple there, but there were five single girls and three middle-aged bachelors. <laughs> they were ready. <laughs> See, you've got to be careful what you say in church. And particularly, you have to be careful if you blame it on God and say that God has said it. Now, in your bulletin, every Sunday that you receive, you may not have noticed it. I don't know if we tried to hide it or what, but it's put down in very small print underneath this little box here. And it says, if you have a word of encouragement, we ask that you come to a microphone at the end of the platform. And we have a microphone over there, and we have a microphone over there. And occasionally you have seen people come, and they will give a word. And sometime you will notice that it is the same person, or one of three or four person of people, and then every once in a while somebody that never does that, I believe that some people do have this gift and receive words from the body more than others. But I want you to know that these words of prophecy can sometimes cause problems. And we allow for this, and we don't want to quench this, but at the same time, we realize we're taking a risk. There's a church in our presbytery that split right down the middle and the preacher of that church had to leave his church and start selling church bonds for a living because of what we call extra-biblical revelation. And it is a specific problem of whether the gift of prophecy that is practiced by many churches in our denomination, whether or not it is a violation of one of the strong principles of Scripture only of the Reformed tradition. Does God still speak to people today the way He spoke to people through the Scripture? Now, a couple of years ago, this was such a hot topic that I chose it as my topic when I preached to the Presbytery in Wilmington, North Carolina. And when I finished speaking on the theme of prophecy, 
two of the people from that church came up to me and they said, oh, I wish that we had heard teaching on this because I believe if we had heard the teaching on this subject, I do not believe that our church would have split nor our preacher would have lost his position. That's how important it is. Now, what do we believe about extra-biblical revelation or prophecy? As Presbyterians, we are known as Reformed Christians. Now, the word Reformed comes out of the Reformation, and it means that every single doctrine we have is to be reformed according to Scripture. If it's out of line with Scripture, we examine it, and we don't change the scripture to fit the doctrine. We change the doctrine to fit the scripture. We believe that scripture alone is the infallible and inerrant word of God. Now, we don't necessarily believe the King James Version is inherent, uh, I mean inerrant, nor the RSV or the ASV or the Living Bible or whatever it is. We believe that what Paul got and what Peter got and what John got was breathed out of God and it is uh, inerrant. And even through all the translations, although there are various readings of these, through all of them it's amazing that not one major doctrine has ever been in question and God has, has, has protected the inerrancy of his word. We also believe the inscripturated word of God is complete. We believe that that which is canonized, that means that which is put in the scripture is the complete word of God. We do not believe that what anybody receives today and says it's from God has the same authority as that which is in the scripture. However, I believe that we can hold a strong reformed view of completed revelation in the scripture and at the same time allow for the present day gift of prophecy. Now we've got to be very firm about the fact that we're not Mormons. We do not add a little bit of Joseph Smith onto the end of the Bible. We don't take Billy Graham or Or Roberts or any great Christian teacher and put him on the end of the Bible. And the reason we don't do that is in the standards of our faith called the Westminster Confession of Faith. And in Article 1 we read, although the light of nature and the works of creation in providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, yet they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and of his will which is necessary unto salvation. That which is necessary unto salvation and eternal life is only found in the inscripturated word. This is the primary revelation. Now we not only believe that because the Westminster Confession of Faith says it, that's not even the first reason we believe it. The first reason we believe it 
is because the Bible says it. Paul writes to Timothy, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished. That doesn't mean he'll be perfect, but it means he'll be perfectly equipped to do that which God wants him to do. May be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now in our text today, if you want to open to it, it's in the book of Hebrews. It's in the back of the Bible. The book of Hebrews, chapter 1, the first two verses of the book of Hebrews. Got too many books on the pulpit here. <laughs> and the first two uh, verses of the book of Hebrews, it says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us through his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Paul says in Galatians, but even though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And when John describes Jesus dying on the cross, remember one thing he said on the cross, he said, it is finished. And I don't believe he was just talking about the incarnation. He wasn't just talking about his earthly life. He was talking about the primary revelation of God. He said, it is centered in me. And when I rise from the dead, and that which is written about that, and written about up till that, will be the primary revelation of God, it is finished. Now also, the early church recognized this fact. Paul wrote to the Ephesians about the revelation of God that is necessary for salvation and said you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now that's very important. This primary revelation of God is built on the apostles and the prophets. This is foundational revelation. Now, we might want to turn it around and say the prophets and the apostles, the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles. That is the primary revelation. Now, it was given there, the banner of truth, and that's the most reformed Presbyterian publication you can get. You don't get any more Presbyterian than the banner of truth. And the Banner of Truth, in an article on it, said there are two levels of prophecy. I was amazed to, to read that in that book because I had no idea that they subscribed to present-day prophecy. They said there are two levels of prophecy, a higher one for revelation and a lower one for other communication. Now, some people go further than I do. I still call it prophecy. I still think they're prophets today, but some people say, no, that's not prophecy, that's guidance. Prophecy is centered in the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles. 
But after that, a word comes from the Lord, but it's only from God for guidance. Now, I go further than that. I believe there, there are primary prophets and apostles, and then I believe there are secondary prophets and apostles. The primary prophets and apostles were the Old Testament prophets, the New Testament apostles, and I would even say those who prophesied in the New Testament. I call them primarily, primary apostles and prophets. But I believe they're still apostles. Now, they're not apostles like Peter and John and Paul and these kind of things, but they, we don't have the word missionary in the Bible. And that's really what it means, those who are sent out and form churches. I believe they're modern-day apostles. Also, they're modern-day prophets who give a word of God. In this sermon, I'm calling it the revelation necessary for salvation. That's one thing. And then additional understanding about living the Christian life. I believe that the revelation necessary for salvation comes only in the Bible. And that is infallible. That doesn't have to be judged. Nobody stands up and reads the scripture and we say, hey, we better judge that. No, that's not judged. But then comes the secondary prophecy about additional understanding in living the Christian life. Now, <clears throat> the Bible defined very definitely the original prophets and the original apostles. Remember in the book of Deuteronomy, it says, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. In other words, the Old Testament prophets were not subject to interpretation or judging. The only thing that showed them up was when they said something was going to happen and it didn't happen, then you ought not to listen to them. Now, this absolute authority is seen in the book of Jeremiah when Jeremiah says, Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put words in thy mouth. No doubt. Jeremiah didn't say, I think I have a word from the Lord. I believe the Lord is saying this. He said, this is the word of the Lord. And I happen to believe that only a first rank apostle or prophet can say that. Are you hearing me? I believe the rest of us have to say, I believe God has spoken this. But I get nervous when somebody today starts quoting God because I tend to believe what David Duplessy, I don't know if you ever heard of David Duplessy. <laughs> he was called Mr. Pentecost. In the 70s and 80s, he more than any other man, he was a Pentecostal. He was raised on this kind of stuff. But when God began to bring the charismatic renewal, he was used because he had about as much wisdom as any man I've ever known. They had him at the Vatican, and he talked to the Pope. But he used to say, in his own inimical way, 
He said, I believe in modern-day prophets. When they speak, it's about 10% God and about 90% them. <laughs> and uh, I'm afraid that's true with me. But I'm a you have to be a little careful in blaming what you receive today on the Lord and very cautious about saying that. Now, there were, uh, there were requirements for an Old Testament prophet. Also, there were requirements for a New Testament apostle. Anybody who said he was an apostle couldn't be an apostle. And the requirements of that are in Acts 1, 21 and 22, where we read, it is therefore necessary that the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, that one of us should become a witness with us of his resurrection. Now, to be an apostle, to be of the, one, the first chosen ones who put revelation of God in the Scripture, there was a requirement you had to experience the living incarnate Jesus and you had to experience the resurrection. Now, there was only one exception to that and that was the Apostle Paul. And you remember the Apostle Paul experienced the resurrected Jesus. He didn't know him when he was on the earth. But after Jesus died and rose again and came back, Saul, that was his name, was on the road to Damascus. He saw the resurrected Lord. He fell down and worshipped him. And three days later, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and his, and his ministry began. And he said he was an apostle and he wrote a third of the New Testament and he based it on two things. He said after he came to the Lord, he spent three years in Arabia being taught by God. And he said, I was not taught by flesh and blood. I was taught by God. Then the second thing he based it on was that he was an eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus. He saw the risen Lord. So this is primary revelation. It came to the Old Testament prophets. It came to the New Testament apostles. It reveals the person of God himself and it reveals his absolute will for the church. We don't read the Bible and say, we believe the Lord said this. We read the Bible and say, we know the Lord said this. Now that's one reason, and listen to this, that if you go to the last, ver last chapter in the Bible, almost to the last verse, it's what the Bible closes with, and you read these words, listen. If anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book. So you don't add stuff to the word of God, nor do you claim the same authority for any word God gives you that is in this book, because that would be adding to it. However, I believe there is more that is available to us. I believe we still hear the still, small voice because the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, 
today and forever. And because of that, He resides in us. And not only can we still be healed of sickness, not only can we still be delivered from the powers of the evil one, but also He can still speak to us through that still small voice. Now this happened in Acts. This started in Acts. Do you remember? Right after Pentecost, it said the early believers. It says, now notice, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now don't be ignorant of the Bible and wonder why God doesn't speak to you. Don't never look, don't, don't neglect look, looking in the Scripture and, they, and then say, I wonder why God never says anything to me because he, why should he speak to you extra biblically if you won't read what he's spoken unto you biblically? We need to think about that. So it says these new believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, but also that signs and wonders were taking place. Now that wasn't the original apostles. That was the new believers. And it was also after the resurrection. So it wasn't to vilify the resurrection. It was still going on. And then it says, further, they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Now, maybe you read through that, and that didn't impress you much. But I don't read where an apostle said that. I don't read where Paul said that. That was additional information that they received. They not only received what the apostles said, but they received that additional revelation and they began to do that. So you see, revelation that is necessary to salvation is in the Scripture, but additional understanding that comes from God as to how we're to live the Christian life is still being given to God's people. At Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, there is a man that I respect very much. His name is Dr. Wayne Grundum. Is that how that's? Grudem. Grudem. Uh, he knows. <laughs> and Dr. Grudem wrote four books on this. Well, he wrote four books in this, these subjects. And one is called The Gift of Prophecy in the New Testament Today. And Dr. Grudem, is that how? Dr. Grudem, he says this. Scripture tells me that I should pray. It does not tell me that my missionary friend in Japan is in need of my prayer right now. He says, Scripture tells me to go to my brother if he has something against me. Scripture does not tell me that a particular brother is angry with me about something I said yesterday. Scripture tells me that gossip is wrong. It does not tell me that there are two people in the church right now that are gossiping. He said, in such cases, the gift of prophecy can provide specific information that Scripture does not. Now, in my church in Winston-Salem, my associate and I, periodically, in a service, we would get a, a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy that some, and, and sometimes these are, uh, it's hard to tell the difference, but we'll get this and we would speak it out. Now, every time I speak that out, I don't know absolutely that that's happening. 
In fact, everything in me says, you're being ridiculous. The idea of saying anything like this. But you know why I do it? Because I've done it enough times and it's been confirmed enough times that I know God speaks. But it's not. Now, when I read this Bible, I don't have any problem with that. I don't have any problem telling you to believe anything that's in it. But I have a lot of problem when I get into the other. And I believe God is saying something. I have to say, this is what I feel, and I have to leave it up for confirmation. Missionary friend of mine uh, in Uganda, he told me about an interesting thing. He said they were having prayer meetings over there in the days of Idi Amin, and they were praying. And of course, it was very dangerous for Christians then. And he said this happened more than once that one would stand up and say, I believe that we need to leave here right now because I believe God has shown me that the soldiers are coming. And they would leave. And very soon, the soldiers would come. And if they had stayed, all of them would have been killed. Now, you may think this is a little weird, but I want you to know that this is not a recent phenomenon. Way back in the beginning of the Reformation, Samuel Rutherford, now you don't, I quoted the banner of truth. You don't get more Presbyterian than that. And you don't get more Presbyterian than Samuel Rutherford. He was one of the principal Scottish commissioners at the Westminster General Assembly where the Westminster Confession of Faith was written. His writings tell us that he believed in present-day prophecy. He wrote, there is a revelation of some particular men who have foretold things to come. Even since the ceasing of the canon of the word, such as, now this blew my mind when I read this, such as John Huss, Wycliffe, Luther, and John Knox. He considered them prophets because they would speak a contemporary word from the Lord. However, he did not say that was infallible revelation. He said that was a word concerning the presence of the church and the future. Also, the Bible is very careful to put safeguards on this prophecy. And I want to speak about that because if you're not careful, you'll get into la-la land. And some churches have really had some trouble springing up out of this. Now, that's the reason that the session of this church, and I'm not sure this is the way to do it, and sometimes it doesn't work too well, but they have said that the minister in charge of the service, I guess that means the one preaching, he should judge all prophecy. For instance, if you get a word, you'll see people come to the microphone. Now, they don't always do this, but they ought to do it. And maybe you didn't know this what the session said. But if you have a prophetic word, we give a time for it, and it usually happens during the time that people are coming for prayer, you can come to one of these microphones and one of the ministers on the, on the platform will see you and we are to go over and you are to share with us what you believe God is saying. And then if it witnesses to us, then we allow you to give it to the body. That doesn't always work, and sometimes somebody stands up and gives a word, and, and it can be from God. But we're trying the best we can to be responsible. 
And it might be better to have the elders judge it, but you know, the, the, el the, the elders are here, some of them one service, some other, and, and they hesitate because they're not sure that they're the ones that ought to do that. So we've, we've decided that that's a stopgap measure, but it should be judged and it should be guarded. In 1 Corinthians 14, 29, Paul write, writes about present-day prophecy, let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment because you're not an Old Testament prophet. Your word is not infallible and the way we tell is whether or not what you say comes to pass because your word can be 10% you and 90, I mean 10% God and 90% you, but we ought to hear the 10%. And don't get upset if sometime you miss it. Sometime you might stand. That's another thing when we try to judge prophecy. I hate to judge it because if you stand up and give a prophetic word and then I say, man, I think that's out to lunch. I mean, that's not God in any way, shape, or form. Well, you'll never do that again. So we try to, <laughs> we try to be compassionate. And no, if, if you wonder sometime, well, we do too. But we do the best we can to judge it by those who are uh, in the body. Also, the session has said that you need to be a member of this church if you get a, give a word of prophecy. That doesn't mean that a word of prophecy can't come from a non-member, but if you're a non-member of this church, you are not under the authority of this church session. And therefore, we believe it's dangerous. And so therefore, I would ask you, if you're not a member of this church, why don't you become one? Some of you need to do that. But if you're not, I'm going to ask you not to give a word because you're not, you have not taken a vow to be under submission to the session of this church, and we think that's important. In John 4, 1, we read, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Just because somebody says, Hey, I believe God said this. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And that's certainly can happen. Now, there's a yardstick for prophecy, and that's what I judge it by. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, that prophecy is to edify, exhort, and comfort. You have to be careful about directive prophecy. Like, I believe the Lord is saying that we ought to paint this church polka dot. Lang said he judges that was not from the Lord. <laughs> I was going to say that's the reason we have safeguards. <laughs> but anyway, be, be, beware of, 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 of directive prophecy because I believe if God's going to direct me or going to direct you, he's going to let you know it in some way. And I think a prophetic word could, if it is direction, and sometime it can be, but look for confirmation. Don't just take it because somebody said it, and if it's for you, I believe confirmation will come. Uh, sometime I have stopped some people from, from giving a prophecy because it was condemnatory in nature. Now, when in 1 Corinthians 14 it says prophecy is to edify, exhort, and comfort, I don't see condemnation in that. And yet you'll have somebody stand up and say, hark and forsooth. 
I believe that you need to quit not tithing. Y'all ought to tithe. You ought to give more than that. You ought to give all you have. All, you know, this kind of thing. When you get into that, then you can be pretty sure that's not the prophecy that it's talking about. Also, I believe prophecy is individualistic and present. That is, not, not, not primary prophecy in the Word, but I believe present-day prophecy is individualistic and for the present. That's the reason I don't like to write it down. There have been churches that got in real problems because they wrote down some prophecies. Somebody said, I believe KBC is going to do so-and-so, and they wrote it down. And you know, when you write it down and save it, you're acting like it's Scripture. You really are. You're saying this was spoken in 1972, and this is what this church ought to do. I don't believe that. I believe present-day prophecy comes at a particular time, and it's for that time, and I would guard writing it down. Uh, <clears throat> also, present-day prophecy is more forth, forth, F-O-R-T-H, tell than foretell. I believe that. Now, in the Old Testament, that's how he judged the prophecy. If what he said didn't come to pass, then he wasn't any prophet. But I believe today it's more a word that comes out and you need to guard prophesying of the future. I'm not saying you can't do this, but I'm saying it's a bit dangerous because um, it tends to be taken permanently and many times it's presumptuous. But I believe that God does speak. For instance, these men, they know that when they preach a sermon or when I preach a sermon. I get up here and I prepare what I say to you. I want to tell you that I don't believe in wasting your time. I believe if I don't do my work, I ought not to waste your time. But sometime when I'm behind this sacred desk, God gives me something to say. No, it's not like Scripture, but it certainly amplifies what he's saying. Also, you elders and deacons, you've experienced a word from God when you got your call to be an elder and deacon. I don't find anywhere in the Bible where it says J.U. is to be an elder in this church. Haven't read it, but he got it, and it came from God. And so that is a present-day word. When I got my call to the ministry, the same thing. Also, I think we need to realize that prophecy is not, it doesn't happen a lot. Particularly, it doesn't happen a lot in a big meeting like this. You've got to remember, in New Testament times, most of the meetings were small. They were small groups. And you'll find that prophecy and tongues and many of the gifts of the Spirit work much better in a small group. For instance, if somebody gets a word from the Lord in this large group, um, you have difficulty hearing it sometime, and maybe it only pertains to just a small group of people here. So that's another reason, uh, Pastor, that you need to be in a small group because there the fruits of the, <laughs> there the fruits of the Spirit can be manifested more easily. Now, don't ever put down prophecy because it says that it is an important gift, perhaps the most important gift. You know why? Because in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says, pursue love. Now, love is not a gift. 
Some people say, well, there were so many gifts in the Scripture, but the greatest was love. No, it wasn't. Love's not a gift. Love's a fruit. And love is not a gift. It's a way. It's a way to use the gifts. So it says, pursue love as the greatest way, but especially that you prophesy. So I think a, a, a case could be made that prophecy is the most important one of the gifts. Paul said, he who prophesies edifies the church. And so we need to remember that. Now I want you to know that the reason I went through all of this is because you need to get correct teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. Because bad theology can be deadly. When I was in seminary, I think it was in 54, or no, it was in 57. In 1957, we had a student. He was from Pittsburgh. And he was home for Christmas vacation and somebody told him that if he was a Christian and he was baptized in the Spirit, his sanctification had begun and he would no longer sin. That is error. And he bought it and so he took a gun and blew his brains out. That's what bad theology can do for you. And if the correct teaching of the gift of prophecy had been given to that church in North Carolina, their preacher would not be selling bonds today and the church would not have split. Beloved, I'm going to close this service sharing from my heart this has been a terrible week for our nation. It's been a terrible week for our first family. I've had a sadness in my heart for Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton and Chelsea Clinton. And I remember, Paul, I was so impressed when I found out that one day here you prayed for their marriage. I get incensed at these idiotic comedians that make jokes about things that destroy people's lives. And I wonder how they'd feel if somebody was making that joke about them. And I believe today we need to pray for our nation. I think we need to pray for our present. I don't really believe he's repented. How do you know? How do you know? Beloved, you get in trouble if you start judging motives. You judge actions, but you don't judge motives. And I don't think it's a time for judgment. I think the people who have to judge whether or not our president stays in office or not, that's up to them. It's not up to us. It's up to us to pray. And it's up to us to seek God. For more information on how to obtain other tapes of Dr. Little's messages or how to have him speak in your church, contact Dick Little's Ministries, 2539 Marymount Drive, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, 27106, or phone area code 336-765-2335.